This is the Matt Report Podcast, a podcast for WordPress professionals, agencies, freelancers, consultants, users, community members. If you're interested in learning about the business side of WordPress, this is the place to be. If you're interested to have discussions, deep-rooted conversations about the community, where WordPress is going, and the business behind it all, it's mattreport.com. Mattreport.com slash subscribe is the number one way to stay connected. You're listening to Season 5. This episode of The Matt Report is brought to you by Pagely. Pagely, where we help big brands scale WordPress, it's enterprise WordPress hosting in the Amazon cloud. If you're building big, powerful WordPress websites for your clients, you need big, powerful hosting, and Pagely delivers. I use Pagely for my websites and e-commerce shops, so I trust their service, and I have no issues recommending them to you. Look, I only bring on sponsors that I trust. And who else trusts Pagely? Verizon, eBay, Disney, Twitter, and more. You can see that right on the homepage of their website. Pagely is the OG of WordPress managed hosting, and they're innovating the market every single day. If your clients trust you to write scalable code, then trust Pagely to host it for you. Check out pagely.com. There are so few people that I know in my circle of business colleagues that are as analytical, measuring all the stats, all the data, and really diving deep into the data crunching of running a business. Other than Brad Tunard, he's a past guest, had him on the show, actually maybe once or twice, I guess I should have looked that up. Uh, But Sam and uh, Corey sit down with him today to talk about market validation and beta testing before launching. Very very important. <laughs> I mean, I can't stress it enough. As somebody who just loves the game of starting something, uh, knowing when to start something, who to market it to, will people even want to spend a dime on what we have to offer? Uh, Brad's going to talk to us all about it today. A fellow podcaster uh, running Delicious Brains. Gonna love what he has to say, and I'm always interested in, and, and by the way, let me take a step back. Super stoked to find out that uh, Brad was going to be on the show, because halfway through season five, I'm not running this Sam and Corey, and they are leading the charge here, interviewing folks for The Matt Report. If you like what you hear, head on over to Matt Report on the iTunes. Leave us a five-star review or wherever you listen to your podcast. And don't forget, it's mattreport.com slash subscribe. Let's get into the show. This episode of The Matt Report is brought to you by Gravity Forms. Gravity Forms was the first commercial plugin I ever purchased for my agency, and I've been a loyal customer ever since. When I see the annual renewal charge come through for Gravity Forms, I don't cringe or second guess keeping it in our toolkit. I'm a proud customer. Gravity Forms is not only a great example of a successful WordPress product, but a product that helps me become successful at what I do. See, it's more than just forms. It's a survey tool. It's an online payment transaction. It's the cornerstone to automated marketing through their Zapier add-on, and the list goes on. If you're looking for a contact form that's more than a contact form, check out Gravity Forms at gravityforms.com. That's gravityforms.com. everybody, thanks for tuning in. I'm Corey and I'm here with my co-host Sam and today we are talking with Brad Tunar from Delicious Brains on market validation. How are you today, Brad? 
Very good. Thanks for having me. Sure. Uh, so why don't you give us the quick intro? Who are you and what do you do? Sure. Uh, so uh, I run a company called Delicious Brains, Inc. Uh, we are eight full-time developers, and we work on a couple of products. One is called Migrate DB Pro, and the other is called Offload S3. And we are working on our first SaaS app called MergeBot. Which is uh, exactly why we're here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's pretty much me in a nutshell. Uh, I won't bore you with my life story or anything. <laughs> well, and I think uh, what what's might be a little bit of interesting uh, context anyway is that you did start out as a developer, still are a developer, um, mm -hmm. but at this point kind of do everything uh, overseeing the company. Yeah, I, I would. That's a good point. So, yeah, I, I was a developer. I, I worked at companies before, and then I freelanced for a while, and then I started uh, my own business and and doing products. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I guess that's that's basically where where I'm coming from. But today, I write like no code, and. Uh, <laughs> I, although I like to, uh, it just is not in the cards. My day-to-day -day is mostly, I call myself general manager mm. is my title um, because I manage a lot of different parts I, of the business. I wear a lot of hats and I'm just starting to hire, uh, like I said, we have eight full-time developers and then there's me and that's it. So I do everything <laughs> else kind of thing, right? And so I'm just starting to hire for other roles this year. That's that's the big thing this year. Mm. Um, I'm starting with a full-time marketing manager, and uh, so so I'm looking to offload pretty much all of the marketing stuff to this person. So that's that's a pretty that's pretty revolutionary in our company right now to have someone else. It's not Brad doing something. <laughs> sure. It's not development. Well, that'll that'll be a big change for the company, but it also will be a big change for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Both. I think um, I'm. I'm really. I'm hoping that we're like. There's a lot of things I don't do right now uh, that should be done, uh, and uh, and I think that's going to help a lot um, in terms of just how we run the company and hopefully also uh, how well the company does. So nice. So um, you started with these two WordPress plugins. And then, as you said, you're uh, in the process now of launching your building and launching your first SaaS app. Why don't you tell us a little bit about MergeBot? Sure. So MergeBot, the idea of MergeBot came out of, um, it came mostly from feedback from our customers of MigrateDB Pro. So customers of MigrateDB Pro would say, you know, I've got this site. Uh, that I've been hacking away on in my local dev environment. And there's a live site that's out there that's live. So I've been changing the database locally and the live site database has been changing. How do I just merge these two databases together? And uh, that is unfortunately a horrible situation. Mm. And we our, our answer to those people was... Uh, good luck. <laughs> like that's <laughs> basically it. There wasn't even a tool that we could point them to to help them out, or you know, a, a tutorial really, or anything. 
you really have to just kind of go through uh, it somehow try to figure out what the differences are and 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 manually merge the data I guess uh, what most people do uh, is that they are aware of this problem in advance so they basically write down all of the things that they change locally that they're gonna have to change again when they deploy to the live site and uh, so, so they manually keep a list. I mean, this is what I used to do when I was a freelancer, when I worked at agencies, we just keep a deployment list. Sometimes <laughs> you would, sometimes you would script it with either PHP or, or some SQL when you could. So, you know, maybe the list would include run this script and then do this and that and the other thing. And so, and it's a horrible situation because you, you imagine like you're taking this, the client's site down for, you know, however long it takes you to, to do this deployment and you're running through this list and you don't want to screw it up. But at the same time, the site's down, so you have to hurry, but you don't want to hurry too much because then you're going to, you know, make mistakes. And it's just like, you know, it's a, it's a really terrible situation for developers to be in. So, and, and we just kept getting this feedback from people that this problem is kind of, People were using the words like "holy grail" and uh, and you know, like this. This would be like the ultimate product if you guys could solve this problem. And uh, so we we've known about this since twenty thirteen, and so four years, and we've just been kind of noodling it since then. And about a year and a half ago, we decided to embark on the search for the Holy grail <laughs> it's, and it's uh, it's been a hell of a journey and uh, and we've done a lot of uh, we've taken a lot of turns we've hit a lot of roadblocks and uh, and we're you know we're still hitting some roadblocks or, or we're still fighting against some of those roadblocks uh, but we're getting there it's uh, it's coming along nice and so so to be clear you are you are not yet launched. Um, but my understanding is you're, you're in maybe even a second round of beta testing. Yeah, we're, we're in a, a beta and I would say it's more of an open beta than a private beta. Uh, like what we've done, we've released, uh, like a batch of seats essentially. Mm -hmm. So, um, if you go to mergebot.com slash register or sorry, app.mergebot.com slash register. Uh, there's still some seats available. Like you can still sign up, uh, get access to the MergeBot beta right now. Gotcha. So, so starting yeah. with um, thinking thinking back over the last three years, how has uh, how has most of that feedback come in? Uh, and have you did you have any mechanism in place for collecting and sorting through that feedback, or was it just kind of a gut thing? It was kind of a gut thing. Um, we do have a way of sorting feedback. Uh, we've got a spreadsheet. Bear Metrics has this really cool spreadsheet that they that they uh, published on their blog, where it, it weights things based on the demand, uh, how hard it is, like how like how much time it's going to take to implement, and how much impact it's going to have, and like all those three uh, dimensions like sort the list. And so like the things mm. that are, for example, if it's going to be a high impact 
not going to take very much time. Like that's going to, and it's, let's say high demand, that thing is going to bubble to the very top of the list, right? Uh, so we have a, a spreadsheet that, that we use for that. So when the, as things come in through, uh, through support channels, we, we fill out that spreadsheet. We add things to it. We add votes as people uh, kind of chime in that on things that have already been suggested. Mm -hmm. um, this, this, this idea though was, I mean, we didn't need a spreadsheet <laughs> for this. Like this, <laughs> this is kind of, this is coming in all the time. And, um, and like I said, the language people were using was very strong language. Like, like they really, really wanted a solution to this problem. So that's, that's what I call an aspirin problem versus a vitamin problem. Sure. Right? So like people will, will clamor for the, for the aspirin, but if it's just a vitamin, they're like, eh, right. I don't need a vitamin today. Relieve the pain versus nice to have. Exactly. Yep. Yep. So it seems like it was pretty clear that this was a problem that needed to be solved and you guys decided that you were going to be the ones to solve it because you had a related product. Why turn it into a SaaS instead of bundle it as an add-on to migrate DB pro or release it as its own plugin? Yeah. Well, that's easy. Haven't you guys heard SaaS is the new thing. Like everyone's <laughs> doing it. Like it's like, um, <laughs> No, not that. Although that did play a factor, if I'm being completely honest, right? I mean, the hype around, you know, SaaS is the way to go. You know, everybody needs to get go SaaS, the SaaS route, because it's more defensible. You know, there's all kinds of reasons why you want to go that route. Um, it was uh, SaaS is a really good fit for this product uh, for a few reasons. Uh, Probably the biggest one is that we wanted to be able to collaborate uh, between users. So we want users to be able to uh, push all their changes. Uh, so like, let's say I'm working locally on, uh, on a site and Corey, you're working locally on that same site and we want to deploy at the same time mm. our, our changes. Well. If I'm if this isn't a SaaS app and I'm just working in isolation, there's no way for your changes to get kind of grouped in with mine. But with a SaaS app, we can both be kind of streaming our changes to the cloud app, and the cloud app can kind of just figure things out. Uh, and then if there's any conflicts, it can alert us of those conflicts uh, as they happen. So all of this wouldn't be possible with. Uh, without a, a SaaS or some kind of cloud app. I, I, I've been using the word cloud app because that seems to be like the more marketing way to say this. <laughs> <laughs> so I've, I've changed my, I've changed my, um, my, my vocabulary because- SaaS is so last can't... year. So yeah. <laughs> cloud is the future. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, see, I think when you're talking to customers, uh, I think it's important to use like, terms they're familiar with, right? And I think SaaS is more of a businessy kind of term, right? Sure. Software mm -hmm. as a service. So uh, yeah, I'm saying cloud app, but when I say cloud app, I just mean SaaS, same thing. Um, so so that that's that's what probably the major reason right there is that 
it allows for collaboration. There's other reasons. Uh, we've been finding out that um, the, some of the processes that you have to run uh, for this to work, the, the basically the merging of data is very intensive, CPU intensive. And so you probably don't want this running on your server. Um, just to give you an example, we're running this on uh, Amazon Web Services. Um, and right now, one of the issues that we're, we're working on is uh, scaling. So we, our beta right now has a thousand query limit. So you can record a thousand queries and that's it. Then you have to deploy or you're, you're, you're done basically. Um, and this is a problem obviously uh, for, for our customers. And so that's why, you know, it's, it's top priority right now. Uh, so, so right now I think it's, it takes like 20 seconds or something to deploy a hundred queries or something. But then once you get to a thousand queries, it takes 20 minutes. So it's, wow. it's like exponential, like the, the intensity of it. Um, and so Gilbert is actually working on, um, I guess, we're, 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 we're saying linearizing, <laughs> linearizing the, the app, so the processing of, of the queries so that uh, instead of being exponential, it's just kind of a linear uh, thing. So it's, yeah. So we do a lot more of the processing upfront rather than at, at, at deploy time and that kind of thing. So, so it sounds anyways. like there are a lot of uh, technical reasons to, to launch this as a SaaS. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, like yep. you said, it, it, it clearly lends itself to being a SaaS from a business perspective as well. Um, were you already thinking about you know, uh, switching at some point from plugins to SaaS, or um, you know, was this a nice coincidence? Oh no, I, I definitely was. I, I totally bought into the hype around SaaS being uh, a better. It's kind of a. I, I think people are talking about it as a safer, um, like a better business model. So like. I th and I think that's still true today. Like if you were to sell a company that is a WordPress plugin uh, versus a SaaS that is, has the same functionality, your SaaS is going to get more for it. You're going to get more for your SaaS mm. than you would for a WordPress plugin. I think that is true. Um, I think the reason for that is, is not clear to me, though. I think there's just... I think there's more defensibility in a SaaS. So like you have more things locked away uh, than, than with a WordPress plugin. Uh, there's the ability to turn it off. So let's say what, you know, when a customer's subscription expires, uh, they lose access to the SaaS, right? Mm -hmm. You lose access to the software. Uh, so there's like a very high signal for them to renew, there's a very like there's a big reason why they need to renew. Um, whereas with a plugin, typically you don't lose access to the plugin, right? You, you lose access to future updates of the plugin, which is definitely significant, but still not quite as strong as just losing access completely, right? There's not as much urgency. Um, yeah, exactly. So I I think I think there are there's definitely good reasons why 
why there's hype around a SaaS versus WordPress plugin. I th but I think there's like there's something to be said about WordPress plugins being I don't know they they have their charms. I, I, <laughs> I'm I'm starting to I'm starting to come around. I also thought that monthly revenue is better than better than annual revenue for a while there, and and just recently I, I've started thinking differently about that. About that. Um, mostly because a lot of SaaS apps are starting to offer uh, annual plans and really pushing them hard now, uh, and that's and that's mostly a marketing thing, right? If you if you can get all your money up front, then you have that cash to spend on marketing to grow to grow your SaaS app into the future. Whereas if you're charging nine dollars a month or whatever it is, um, and you get nine dollars out of all of your customers in a given month versus, uh, you know, whatever it would be, what would it be like a hundred dollars on an right. annual plan. You'd give a little discount. Right? Yeah. Give a little discount. So you get a hundred dollars from every customer in a given month. Like that's a huge, that's 10 times more money to spend on marketing from then going forward. So that's why I think you're seeing a lot of SaaS apps doing that. Um, well, it's interesting. So, Oops, sorry. And, and so it's, it, it is, it's, it's funny because uh, WordPress plugins have kind of gotten like the, I think WordPress plugins kind of got a bad rap for, for charging annually. Right. But it turns out that that was a really good thing <laughs> because it, because it allowed developers to get all that cash up front and to be able to use it to grow their team or grow their marketing or, or whatever to like help them really push their business forward. And so I think by accident, we actually ended up in a much better situation in the WordPress plugin space. Um, I think it was mostly because of the technology in e-commerce systems, right? Like. Being, being able to charge monthly and, and having to deal with automated billing and all that stuff really hasn't been available uh, for WordPress plugins until recently. Like Easy Digital Downloads only started offering that feature recently. Um, so, so I think it's an accident, and, and, but it's a, it's a really happy accident, right? Yeah. Um, I think that it's, uh, it's interesting to watch the, the SaaS space or best practices move a little closer to what WordPress has been doing all along. But as you've mentioned, SaaS being such a buzzword and, and a lot of uh, WordPress plugin developers are starting to, to at least consider SaaS options because of all of the, the benefits of SaaS. And, uh, and we'll, maybe we meet somewhere in the middle. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess like, I think there's a lot of developers out there that respect the idea of not having to pay another monthly subscription. Like they're out, they're actively looking for a solution that where they don't have to do that. Mm. I think, and I think that's going to, I think the more and more things that there are or that they have to subscribe to for a monthly subscription, I think, I think that's going to exhaust people. Right, especially WordPress developers, right? So as as you see more and more WordPress businesses going SaaS and more and more monthly subscriptions being required by WordPress developers that are setting up sites for clients or whatever else, 
I think there, you might start to see more and more developers looking for an alternative to a service, right? I'm starting to hear that from my customers, in fact. Mm -hmm. So it's you mentioned before that you're kind of like reconsidering plugins or kind of even looking back on the plugin world through rose-colored glasses now that you're in the SaaS world. Um, is it just because of the annual pricing or is there more to it? Uh, well, I mean, SaaS is, is hard. I mean, like if you're, <laughs> if you're, I mean, I shouldn't say that SaaS, SaaS is hard. I think starting a business from scratch with no audience is hard, right? Like we're in a unique position that we, we're an established company. We have an audience, we have customers already, and we can build complementary products. So whether that's another WordPress plugin or a SaaS, it doesn't really matter for us as long as we're marketing to the same people, to the same customer base. Uh, I don't think it really matters that much. The hard part is starting from scratch and starting a, a business um, with no audience and no customers, right? And and I think I think where where SaaS is uh, has been really hard in the past is that people start out at a monthly fee, and and so they're getting very little money upfront. So let's say you have uh, 10 customers and you're they're paying you nine dollars a month right that's not a very much money on a month-to-month -month basis to start out right right that's but if they were paying you a hundred dollars a month now we're talking we're getting somewhere now we can start to maybe use that money to do something right right um i mean 10 customers is probably a bad example that's really little, <laughs> but your first 100 customers, let's say. Right. So the difference between uh, $900 and $9,000, that is a massive difference in terms of investing in the, in the product going forward, right? Mm -hmm. Which is also its own, its own form of market validation. If you, if you can get that buy-in up front, you know, there is a, and if you're charging annual subscriptions, there is a higher risk, let's say, uh, you know, I'm, I'm investing in you a year's worth. Yes. Yeah. I think a lot of it is psychological as well. I think with, with WordPress plugins, because we're talking about downloadable, downloadable software, I mean, it's always been the traditional model of downloadable software is you pay once and you don't pay again until there's a major new release and you have to pay to get the new release. Yep. And then gravity forms came along and decided well, we're going to tweak that just a little bit. <laughs> and we're going to make this based on time rather than the next major release, right? And then yep. so you, you pay. And then so then it just became paying annually. Um, and and yeah, I mean, that's that's a that was a huge innovation, I think. Um, I, I'm, that's not to say that you can't do it the old fashioned way still. I think I think that if you have a really good grip on uh, your release cycles and getting a, a major release out on on a schedule, then then the old way could very well work. Sure, I think still. Which is which is a little different, uh, or or is a very different way of thinking than with SaaS, which is month to month you get the product, whatever state it's currently in, and 
and you get the you have the advantage of of pushing updates as often or as infrequently as as you want or need, um, right. and they just keep paying. Um, I want to I want to touch on or loop back to something that you said in particular, which is um, if you you basically have the benefit of having an audience, having customers already on uh, Migrate DB Pro, and mm-hmm. uh, in launching MergeBot, you have um, very specifically currently launched to uh, beta testers. Um, are you finding that most of your beta testers are existing customers? I haven't, honestly, I haven't really looked at that, uh, but I would be shocked if it wasn't the case. Mm. Um, and and most mostly because we really haven't done much marketing outside of our audience. Uh, and and you kind of need Migrate DB Pro <laughs> to, to, oh, sure. to, to use merge. Like Migrate DB Pro is a, kind of an essential piece of the workflow, the, uh, the merge bot workflow. Uh, you can definitely u- not use it, but it's just a little bit more cumbersome to to do what you need to do. Um, and so I think we would we've had a few people say that I don't have a MigrateDB Pro license. Um, so what what do I do? Um, and so we've had a couple of those, but it's been very few. I think we would have gotten a lot more feedback on that if if we had a massive number of people that that were not MigrateDB Pro customers. Gotcha. So, yeah. Um, and so it, I, I can I can guess at the answer, but I'd love to hear you talk it through. Um, a lot of lean startup and subsequently quote unquote SaaS uh, thinking says, you know, build it and put it out there and see what happens. Um, <laughs> and uh, in this case, you've specifically said, no, we're going to, we're going to open up some beta seats. We're going to open up some more beta seats. Um, you know, would, would you recommend that? It, uh, thinking, thinking in a broader sense, you know, if, why, why did you choose to go down that road? I guess. Yeah. I mean, I have a predisposition of polishing things probably more than I should before getting it in front of people. Um, I don't like to show work that's unfinished, right? Mm-hmm. Basically. Um, and I think a lot of people are like that, right? But it's when you're launching something that's new, you are constantly, and you're building it in isolation, you're constantly making assumptions. And the earlier you can get your product in front of people, you, the earlier you can test those assumptions and make sure that they're right. Um, now, if if they are all right, uh, so let's say you, you get it in front of people. So this is what happened with MergeBot. We launched really early, like earlier than I, I was almost comfortable with mm. because my my gut was telling me like, we've got a list of things here that are basic that are not done that are basically going to make this app almost unusable for people <laughs> right like and i'm not talking about you know polish like you know what the design looks like or anything like that i i mean i mean like the 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 1000 query limit is a good example right like 
if you're going to use MergeBot, like how, and and you have more than a thousand queries to record, you can't use MergeBot. Like you, you just can't. Um, and there was a bunch of things just like that. Multi-site, multi-site wasn't supported. Uh, there's a, you know, a bunch of other things. Um, but I don't regret launching it early because what it allowed is it allowed us to hear from customers for customers to cancel because we, um, we charged for the beta. So, so customers actually had to cancel their subscription if they didn't want to continue using it. Right. And so when they did that, then I asked them, why are you canceling? Why, what's, what's the reason? And, and oftentimes it was, uh, well, there's no multi-site support, and that's primarily the development that I do. Okay, so the, there was a bunch of these, a bunch of the feedback was the things that we were planning on tackling next, and so that feedback gave validation to uh, the things that we had on our priority list. So we knew then that we were in, we're we had our ducks in a row. We just needed to go ahead and and keep going forward. Uh, were were you worried about launching too early and then scaring off a bunch of customers that otherwise would have been great customers or was it limited enough that you were like, okay, well, if we lose 10, 20 people, then, oh, well, we, we're, we're learning enough valuable lessons that it's worth it. Yeah. I think that's just it. What you just said. I think, I think. I mean, that's the fear, right? Like, oh no, everyone's going to come and see it and it's going to suck. And then they're just going to leave and no one's ever coming back and it's going to be a disaster. Oh, I don't want to do it that way. But <laughs> yeah, the, the reality is you're not, everyone is not going to see it. Not everyone's an early adopter. You're setting expectations up front. It's a beta. It's really early. You know, you're probably not going to want to use this, but if you're an early adopter, come try it out. Uh, you know, you're going to get those people that are that are keen, that are that want to get in there early. There's going to be a few people that do get in there thinking, ah, they're probably exaggerating. It's probably fine, and get in there and they're like, oh my god, this is crap. I don't, I can't use this yet. Um, and those are the people that cancel. These people that say, you know, it's. Uh, you know, I, I'm waiting for multi-site, so I'll cancel for now. Other people are in there and they're like, okay, multi-site's on the list. I can still play around with it for now, so I'm going to keep my subscription, right? Because mm -hmm. those are the early adopters. Those are the people you want in there. So, yeah, I, I don't think that that's a, I think that's an irrational fear that lots of people have, but it's just that, it's irrational. <laughs> yeah. So considering that it was, just essentially to get that early feedback, did you put, do you have systems in place to make sure that you're getting the feedback that you need? Or is it mostly like, is it mostly those sort of exit interviews where someone cancels and you're like, why'd you cancel? The, the exit interview is like the final gauntlet that you have to go through where we, we need to get that feedback before we, you know, lose them forever kind of thing. Uh, Prior to that, we're we're trying to reach out to people proactively. So, we when you sign up for MergeBot, you're automatically invited to a Slack channel. Oh wow! Uh, or a Slack, a Slack, uh, a private Slack chat. Uh, I don't know. I don't even know how to say that. Like a I private know. Slack. It sounds weird. Slack doesn't it? community <laughs> is what I've heard, but it, it's yeah. so wordy. 
They need yeah. to do some better it just, marketing around that. Yeah. It doesn't seem like a noun. That's the problem, right? A slack. <laughs> it's weird. Um, but yeah, so they get in there and we're, we're, we're constantly nudging that, that, uh, uh, that slack group to see like, you know, what people are struggling with, what, what they need help with and whatever. Um, in addition to that, I'm going to start uh, reaching out to people just randomly, basically, just send emails to people um, and just ask them how it's going, what they need, and, and that kind of thing. Just just doing outreach. Yeah. Um, and maybe maybe going a step further and getting on, uh, scheduling a call with them uh, to to walk them through it, like do a screen sharing session or whatever, because there's a lot you can learn just by being. Uh, just by sharing a screen with someone and seeing them go through it. Um, so, so yeah, there's that. I did that early on. Uh, so the first phase of the beta was what I called a private beta, where I just invited, uh, I just picked people at random off of our beta list and invited those people. And But I scheduled a call with them and I walked them through uh, the onboarding uh, process. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, and just to see kind of where they they got hung up and and where what parts of the onboarding process I needed to iron out some more, um, so that was that was also really valuable. Yeah, but it sounds like you're primarily using Slack now, and that's interesting because that's something that I've considered. But my fear was that I would just constantly be having people ping me on Slack for stuff that is in the help documentation or. You know, like stuff that they would figure out if they spent two minutes trying to figure it out. But because there's a Slack group, they're just going to send me a message. So is, right. have you found that to be the case? or you know, you know what should be the bigger fear? You have a Slack group and no one's talking. <laughs> right? Because mm-hmm. that's way worse. Like having too many people chatting in Slack is a good problem to have. It's the best problem like, you could have. Yeah, but I understand where you come from because then it's just a support burn and it's, you know, you'd rather be doing other things and moving the app forward and you're in there having to respond all the time in Slack. But that's just not the case. You might end up with a user or two that's like that. And I'm sure you can find a way to gently tell them to stop doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Stripe actually started, or when Stripe first came out, they had a public, totally open hip chat. And so right. I remember jumping in there an annoying amount because I was trying to figure this stuff out and so were they. So being able to right. ask really obvious questions and then eventually their own support. And I think you see this in WordPress support generally uh, for the really big plugins anyway, you end up with power users or you end up with developers who are trying to build their own authority uh, in that. And so, you know, probably the last few times I was in there a few years ago now, there were power users telling me what to do, not Stripe right. people. Uh, and then eventually they shut it down and hired real support, you know, uh, or not hired, uh, built a ticketing system. And now it's boring and normal because uh, it was really <laughs> fun to be able to jump in and, and talk shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that that makes sense. I mean, so that's hip chat. Wow, 
Okay, cool. Yeah, well, that's they did, like old school. It, it is, uh, or it should be. Uh, my bias is showing. Um, but uh, I want to ask about uh, your decision to charge beta testers. Um, mm -hmm. So some people don't. Uh, a lot of people will open up their product for free initially. I think in part out of that fear that you're talking about. Um, where where did that decision come from to to charge from day one? Uh, I think came from fear, uh, since we're talking about fear a little bit. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think because I, I was worried about people just joining the beta and just not doing anything. Mm. And if they're being charged monthly and they're not doing anything with it, then eventually they'll cancel, right? Because they're getting charged for it. Like, eventually they'll realize, like, why am I paying for this? <laughs> like, I'm not using it. It's not doing anything. I gotta cancel this. Um, and so that's that's where that's where that came from mostly. So it almost it um, forces engagement. It it kind of does, and I think the feedback is more honest that way. Um, because if, I mean, if you cancel, like, what I mean, why wouldn't you give honest feedback? When someone asks you for it, right? Like I'm, I'm, you know. Whereas if you're getting something for free, and someone asks you about it, like you might ignore them, you might lie. Like I don't know. Like why? Why do you care? It's it's free. <laughs> like you know. I, I think I think things that are free are just inherently less valued, right? Um, another reason is uh, is setting expectations for the future, right? Mm -hmm. If you if you start something out as free, um, it could be, you know, it's easily misinterpreted that this is going to be free in the future or nearly free in the future. You know, you're just, you're kind of setting um, kind of bad expectations out of the gate. So, so it, I think it also helps in that area as well. Which so, makes total sense. Um, yeah. So as we, uh, we wrap up, I think we've even already, uh, exceeded our our usual half hour here but it's there's been some some great conversation uh you bring up the future and expectations um how do you how do you see uh you know the the near future and maybe even the the distant future for mergebot or is there a, a a planned date to launch and and that kind of thing yeah there's there's no planned date to launch we we generally don't don't do that um but we so the plan is to keep working through our list of uh, kind of major things that we're working on before we can launch. Uh, and be, but before that, we, I want to do another round of feedback from customers, maybe even survey them uh, and figure out if we've hit the spot with mm. this. Um, because I mean, that's what why launch if we're still not sure if we've we found product market fit, right? Uh, I don't think there's any doubt that there's a uh, that there's a need for this solution and that uh, people are willing to pay for this solution. the 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 problem is that the fix for the solution isn't a hundred percent fix. There's no way to solve this problem one hundred percent. So the question is, have we solved it to a degree that people are satisfied with and that, that are, they're willing to pay for? So, so that's, that's what we're going to be testing 
before before we go ahead and, and do any kind of major launch and, and start marketing this thing. Makes sense. And as oh, I was going to ask, uh, you know, do you? I realize you're hiring a marketing person, and and hopefully you you successfully hire somebody before the marketing for this starts. But do you mm-hmm. have plans on uh, marketing plans, and and what do you? Uh, I guess it's uh, this this SaaS app, like you said, is tied largely tied to a WordPress plugin. But do you? How do you anticipate marketing to people outside of the WordPress world, or or is it even worth it? Uh, we're definitely not going to start that way, right? We're definitely going to stick with the, the WordPress developer crowd to start. And uh, it's possible we would move into other things like other CMSs in the future. Uh, but that's that's quite a ways down the road. So we're not even we're not even t- thinking about that yet. Um, and in terms of marketing plans, um, I mean, it, the marketing will be a lot like Migrate DB Pro, and I see there being like a lot of uh, cross-selling going on there as well between the two products. Um, it could be that we shift and start marketing MergeBot and Migrate DB Migrate DB Pro together as a single solution and just kind of roll them up into a single bundle kind of thing. So like if you sign up for MergeBot, you automatically get a license to MigrateDB Pro, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so these are the things we're thinking about, but not we haven't decided on anything quite yet because we're, we are still in that kind of early phase and don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves just yet. Sure, makes total sense. Well, this has been very insightful, Brad. Thank you very much for your time. Um, mm-hmm. We look forward to seeing how the product grows and changes and uh, how much of what you just told us comes true or doesn't at all. <laughs> and that's kind of why all this is is very interesting. Uh, if people want to ask you questions or find out more about you, where's the best place to get in touch? Uh, you can ping me on Twitter at Brad T. Uh, my website's bradt.ca, deliciousbrains.com, uh, <laughs> applyfilters.fm is uh, our podcast, mergebot.com is what mostly what we've been talking about. Um, and yeah, so I think Twitter is probably the best way to, to get my attention. Uh, I, I guess you email me as well, uh, brad at deliciousbrains.com. Uh, and yeah. That's that's me. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time, and uh, best of luck to you with MerchBot. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for your time. That was another episode of The Matt Report. I hope you learned something. I hope you got something out of it. It means a lot when somebody actually learns something from the conversations that I have here, either personal gains or business gains, whatever it might be, just learning your way in the crazy world of WordPress That's why I do it. I couldn't do it without my audience. I couldn't do it without my sponsors as well. So please go ahead and thank the sponsors. Use the services uh, that I've mentioned in these episodes. I really vet them and make sure that they're only putting out good products with great support and they really care about the WordPress community. That's why I've chosen them. So it means a lot if you go ahead on Twitter and tell them that you heard 
them on the Matt Report podcast. As always, mattreport.com slash subscribe to join the mailing list. It's the number one way to stay connected. I send private videos there to my newsletter. It's really becoming much more than just a boring old newsletter. So I hope I can see you over there. And the best thing that you can do for the show is head on over to iTunes, search for WordPress podcast, leave me a five-star review. If you enjoy the episode, I'd really appreciate it. We'll see you in the next episode.